Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today we're on part four of our series entitled Together Loving for the Gospel's Sake. Now, today we are talking about putting the ingredients together. Putting the ingredients together. And I asked Ivy, my daughter, if she would come up and kind of tell us a little bit, a little bit about ingredients that it takes to put a cake together. And she's going to give you the ingredients today. And next week when we have, of course, the International Day, she's going to actually bake a cake. Two cakes, matter of fact. So... Okay, now, now tell us, Ivy, a little, little bit about these ingredients. Does it matter how we mix them? Does it matter whether we leave one out? Does it matter? Uh, tell, tell, tell us a little, little bit about how you're going to bake this cake now. When you bake a cake, you do have to do it in a certain order. It, it does turn, it turn out better, I think. And um, usually you sift the flour and the baking soda and the baking powder together in a separate bowl and then you do the fat and the eggs and sugar together and um, so that definitely causes it to come together in a, and sometimes you do liquid like a um, buttermilk or something like that but um, if you leave the eggs out for binding purposes usually you will not get a good cake you'll probably have more like a biscuit or a scone so you know <laughs> I think um, yeah it is important to do it in a certain way and have certain okay. ingredients that have to be in it for it to be a cake. Okay, and, you, and you're going to put it all together for us next week? Yes, I will. Okay, I will. okay thank you. <laughs> thank welcome. you. We're going to leave the um, ingredients right there for a while. Now, now, please, when we end the service, don't everybody run and take some of the ingredients because it's going to be, she needs those ingredients, okay? So I know some of you might not have butter at home and stuff, so... It's okay. It's okay. Putting the ingredients together. Well, we've talked about the first message I did was loving, well, togetherness, loving, and for the gospel's sake. So we talked about the gospel's sake. If you do not have a purpose that's beyond you, if I don't have a purpose beyond me, when it gets hard, I am not going to love. I'm not going to be in, in togetherness. It's just not going to happen. Because most things are about me. And I know you are the same way. Most things are about you. Because we are all selfish people. God has to uh, deal with that in all of our lives. So I know that it's very important for us to do things for the gospel's sake. That was the first message. The second message I did was really talking about how important is togetherness to God. How important is it? And we've shared that it is huge with God. Then last week we talked about why is it really important? Why is togetherness important to God? And we found out that God is the God of order. Everything that he created has order. Regardless of what we may think, there is a purpose for a tick. Now, I don't know 
but because <laughs> I hate ticks, uh, especially when they get on me. Um, I hate gnats, cutting grass and things like that. Gnats get, I hate those little things. I, matter of fact, I hate bugs, uh, period. So don't ever ask me to camp out. I don't like outdoors either. <laughs> Just to go out there and get in my car and go get inside is it. But God has a purpose, doesn't he? A purpose for everything. God is a God of order. So when we put these things together, like he, she's putting these ingredients together uh, this week for next week. She's going to put them together in a cake. We have to put these things together because it's no good to just have ingredients. What good are these ingredients sitting here? And if I leave them here, next week you come, we say, whoopee, let's have a cake. Let's eat some. Well, well, we are providing desserts for you next week, but that doesn't look like a dessert to me at all. So therefore, somebody has to put this thing together. Somebody has to know what to do in order to make it where we can really eat it and live by live on it and grow from it. So that's what, well, maybe we won't grow from cake. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but it, it's very important for the mixture that we're talking about, the ingredients that we're talking about, in order to live it out. How can we live it out? Togetherness. How can we live it out? Well, let's put it together for you. The first thing, the very first thing, let's look at Romans. Now, I'm going to, I have about 15 scriptures and it's usually four I can get to. Five is pretty good. Six, you know, is going to push it. And today we have communion, so Drew is going to come up and I got to leave space for him. So I don't have about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So I'm not going to be able to get to everything. So uh, I'm going to just go and see what the Spirit leads and see how. He, he tells me to go with this thing. So I'm going to skip over scriptures and things like that. If some of you got scriptures off the Internet, uh, you, can get, you can always get the message off the Internet uh, on Saturday night. And if you don't like to take notes, then it's already there for you, the, the notes that I use. But I don't always go by them. So just know, <laughs> just know <laughs> that they are there. <laughs> they, are, they are there. Romans chapter 12. A classic scripture, classic scripture for us. We have gone over this scripture many, many times, and we're going to keep going over many, many times in many different ways, only because this is so important to everything that we do spiritually. Verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may, be, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, let's concentrate on just one part of that today. Renewing of our mind. Renewing our minds. In order to walk out togetherness, in order to walk out unity, because it's the same word, interchangeable, in order to walk out oneness, all three of them interchangeable, we're going to have to renew our minds. It's impossible for us to walk out the unity, the togetherness, 
the oneness that God wants us to walk out without renewing our minds because we were not born with our, into this life wanting to share everything, be together, to love everybody. We weren't born like that. We were born selfish, want to hold on to everything. And so God says we need to renew our minds. He would not put it here if it were not so. We have to renew our minds. Now, that process, we're going to talk about that process today because that's the first thing we have to do. We have to renew our minds, but we've got to know how we're going to do this thing and what we're going to do it with. We're going to renew our minds according to God's order. God's order in every area of our lives. We have to renew our minds to that. Every area. It can't be just one area, two areas, three areas. It has to be every area of our lives. We have to renew our minds to that because God has an order and he put his order in these six six books. And he says that I want you to learn these things. I want you to do these things because your happiness depends upon that. Your glorifying me depends upon that. Me giving you what's yours depends upon that. Oh, my goodness gracious. God says that all is ours, but we have to fall into his order. Well, if we talk about some order of things, what are some order of things? First of all, I have to get myself right with God. I have to do that myself. I can't hope to bring my wife into this situation and I say, well, look, uh, I want to marry you, Minerva, and I bring her in, and I don't have a clue where we're going, how we're going to get there, or anything. That's not good. Of course, that's what I did. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm serious because I wasn't saved. I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know anything, anything. <laughs> when Ms. Dawson and Sam got me, boy, they said, they said boy, you're a pathetic boy. I tell you. But thank God that Sam showed me how to get in the Word, gave me tapes and things like that. It's very important. And so I need to get myself right with God, my mind. I have to renew my mind. So I had to learn, what is God's order of things? What does he think about the way I talk? What does he think about where I go? What, what, what does he think about uh, how I respond with my non-verbal communication. How, how does he, what does he think about that? What does he think about my attitude? What, is, what does God say about that? I had to learn all those things myself because in order to be in unity with Minerva, we have to be on the same page on everything. So when she got born again, I got born again. We started on this process so we can walk in unity because we are unified around the word of God. We're unified around the God of unity. That's who we're unified around. It doesn't matter uh, when, we were first, when we first got married. We can agree on a lot of things, but it might not have anything to do with God's kingdom, God's order. It might not have anything to do with his, what he wants us to do. It's just, we agreed that this is what we're going to do. That is not good. So that's the first thing that we all have to do. Get ourselves right before God with what is his order of things. So my greatest work in our marriage 
is my work in my prayer closet, my work in, in scripture, my devotional work in learning the word of God and trying to practice the word of God. That is my biggest labor of becoming a fit husband for Minerva. And you notice I've said becoming. It's only been 43 years, but I'm still becoming. I'm not there. I'm just becoming. I'm learning something every day. This, these set of messages are helping me because I'm learning that unity can't be something that I just say, hey, this is what I say, and so this is what you do. No. <laughs> that does not go. Not in the Taylor's home. That doesn't go. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it probably doesn't go in your home either, does it? Yeah, it doesn't go in your home. <laughs> so let's say that you are, and we know all those things. We know all those things. I mean, I know you know all those things. We can, we can talk about, we can go to 1 Corinthians 10, we can go to 1 Corinthians 7, we can go to verse 1, we can go to 2 Corinthians, we can go all these places and talk about things. Let me just talk about it rather than turn to it sometime. Let's talk about it. If you're a singer, if God says, your temple is a temple of the Holy Spirit, do not commit fornication. What does that mean? Okay, that's right. Don't commit fornication. That's right. That's what it means. Now, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? The only way you're going to be able to do it is that you renew your mind so that you will be able to do it. And we're going to go a little further in a minute. Same thing if, if I say, well, wives. Uh, let me start the way. Husbands. <laughs> Y'all don't have anything in your hand to throw at me, so you're all right. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves church. See, I can go to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, now, it starts off with wives. Now, I start off the way the scriptures start off. In verse 22, Ephesians 5, 22, that's where it starts off. Wives. Put, put it on the screen for me, Emily. Wives. <laughs> put it on the screen. I'm not going to be afraid. Put it on the screen. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 22. Ephesians 5, 22. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> I told you I was going to jump all over the place. Isn't it? <laughs> it's in my nose somewhere, you know. But, uh, Emily's, a, Emily's a young lady, so she doesn't even want to find it. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> she doesn't want to find it. <laughs> She's been raised in the robber's home. <laughs> uh, and and I, I know that, um, and I, I can talk about it because, because uh, Chad's not here, and, and Jen, Jen is in, in children's church, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I saw you come in, Jen. I know you came. <laughs> Wives, see, be subject, that means submissive to your own husbands as to the Lord. I'll give him the next verse, 23. <laughs> and then it tells us uh, that uh, for the husbands is the head of the wife, and the wives don't like that. Head of the wife. As Christ is the head of the church, he, is, uh, he himself belongs to the Savior, to the body. Okay, keep going, Emily, keep going. Now, we know those things, don't we? But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their 
Husbands in what? Everything. Okay, now, now I always have to tell what the t- intent of God was. Now, you know, obviously, he doesn't mean everything. Obviously, he does not mean everything. It says everything, but he doesn't mean everything. If you read from Genesis to Revelation, it doesn't mean that. Because if your husband tells you to sin, obviously, God says, do not do that. You have scripture after scripture after scripture to tell you that. I mean, you can start with the, in Genesis. That's the beginnings, the origin. Genesis, where Eve said, huh, here, I bet this. So you want you, uh, you know, partake of the forbidden fruit. And he did. Because he was with it, he did. And you know what happened from there. All of us suffer. All mankind and all creation suffer because of that. I mean, it can go on and on and on. So we know it's not everything. Okay? But then it goes on to tell the husbands to love their wives just as, come on, just as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for the church. That means he died for the church. That means that uh, he took our sins on the cross, he, everything on the cross, he bore them, and that means that I don't care what you say is wrong with that woman that you married. It doesn't matter. You, according to Scripture, are supposed to love that wife just as Christ loved the church and died for it. You, you, you take the sin. You do everything that you're supposed to do. You cover that woman. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what the Word says. See, we, we know those things. But men, we know we don't do it, though. If we, if we get mad... Then we're going, we, sometimes we say things, sometimes we roll our eyes, sometimes we, we, you know, we, we walk out the room and stuff, and we, we just act really not becoming of Christ. The women know that, and so they don't want to be submissive to us. And so it, it starts a whole stuff that's not supposed to go on. Now, we know all those things. Let's go a little, little bit further. We can go into um, Ephesians 6, where... It tells the children, obey your parents, for this is right. First commandment with the promise that all be well with you, that things will go well with you. And it says that fathers do not uh, provoke your children to anger. It says that. So God is putting order to relationships, isn't he? He's putting order to relationships. If you are unmarried, that relationship, he'll tell you in 1 Corinthians Chapter 7, verse 1, 2, 3, it'll tell you, uh, do not touch a woman. That's why everybody should have your own wife, a own husband, isn't it? I mean, it says that in the Scripture, we're just not going to turn to it, but that's what it, what it says, okay? And if you're married, then he tells you what to do. If you're a child, he tells you what to do. When you become an adult, you're on your own, don't think you now, hey, I don't have to listen to you, mama. I don't have to listen to you, father. You know, no, no, no. He said, honor your father and mother. That means that honor never stops. Obedience does, but honor never stops. When you get out on your own, then you're under God's covering. You get married, you're under your husband's covering and God's covering and the church covering, but you're not under your parents' covering anymore. So therefore, you don't have to obey your parents. And that's why parents get in trouble sometimes when, when they live close to the, their children and they're married is that a lot of times that uh, they want to run, the, run them just like they ran them when they were children. You can't do that. You got to let them go. 
Right, Jack? <laughs> Let him go. Um, but see, that's what. <laughs> but see, the scripture tells us that. It tells us that. It tells us if we were, in a, uh, let's say, um, civil authorities. It tells us about civil, civil authority. What should we do? It tells us that in First uh, Peter uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 11, all authority we're supposed to obey. All authority we're supposed to obey. For the Lord's sake. Not for, not for because we like them, because they are right. No. Civil authority a lot of time is wrong. But we're supposed to obey them, supposed to uh, respect them, only because God put authority in existence. We can go even to when it says, uh, slaves be uh, subject to your masters, even those who are... Uh, they're, they're, they're not even reasonable. So I like to take that and, and put it into uh, your employee-employee, employer situation. If you're an employee, then be subject to your, you know, uh, be respectful to your, to your, to your employ, employers. Um, to, for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. And all of you who have people under you in a work, workplace, wouldn't it, wouldn't it go much, much smoother if you had everybody doing everything you would say, Angie, on your job, wouldn't it be? I mean, it would be nice, wouldn't it? If they wouldn't talk about you behind your back, it would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice. Uh, that, because that's what God's order he put in there. And then he tells the masters, don't, don't uh, treat them all bad because you have a master yourself. God has an order for everything in here. Then for the... Uh, if you, we go to First Peter chapter five, it'll tell, it'll, it'll tell the, the the elders of the church, hey, look, don't lord over God's heritage. That's what he said. Don't lord over God's heritage because they're not yours; they're God's. That's what he says to us. So I have to read this and say, well, hmm, God, I want them to do what I want them to do. And can I make them do that? He says, <laughs> shepherd the flock of God. First Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. God doesn't, doesn't want, want you to do anything that's, 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 that's trying to push people. Shepherds don't push. Shepherds lead the flock. That's what they do. Verse 3 says, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proven to be examples to the flock. That's what we try to do, be examples. Examples. That's all, examples. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so we're supposed to be doing it, and regardless of how we're treated, we're supposed to be doing it for the Lord's sake. That's what, and so, you know, I tell people, I say, look, when you sign up for leadership, you sign up to be bitten, to be talked about, to be anything, because there's no leader in Scripture that had it easy, not one. You can look at Moses, you can look at any of them, you can look at Paul, you can look at Stephen. Oh, tell me one. Joshua, tell me one. That, that was Jesus, tell me one that had it easy. 
No, not one, not one. It's not an easy thing. God didn't mean it to be easy. He means for you to just do what he tells you to do. And if we look at Hebrews chapter 13, let's go there. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It'll tell us what we're supposed to do as congregants. Because I was a congregant for the most of my born-again life. I was in a congregation. And it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Doesn't that sound so good? (laughs) See, he tells tells the elders what to do. Then he tells the body what to do. Because why? Because he wants unity. He wants oneness. He wants togetherness. He says, lead them. Don't push them. Don't pull them. Lead them. Don't lord over them. And see, so he tells the congregation, obey them. This obey means to let yourself be persuaded. It's not the same obey as children. That obey is a, like a blind obedience because they are young, you obey your parents. Okay, but this obey is not one of those blind obedience. That's let yourself be persuaded, assent to. Just, 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 it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you approve. Okay? It doesn't mean that you approve. It just means that just do it. Unless it's, come on, sin. Okay? That, that, that's the bottom line for everything in God's order. Okay? He don't care what's an angel. He don't care whatever. Anybody tell you anything against his word, then, you know, let them be accursed to say it. So that's what he says, obey. Let yourself be persuaded. You don't have to agree. As long as it's not sin, do it. And um, I didn't, a lot of times I don't explain things uh, when I say I don't explain things. Like we start putting ropes up here. You, you, you've seen them if you came early now. You, you, put, you put ropes up. If you come late, you don't never see ropes. <laughs> but but, but I mean, we put ropes up early, okay, in, in the sections. And we put them there so that people will sit in the middle area. We know nobody's going to sit up front. Uh, except uh, we, know, we know you're going to sit up front. It's okay. Okay, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> all, of you, all of you are welcome to sit up front. All of you are welcome. Yes, um, usually people who sit in the front in classrooms, they want A's. You know, they want to pass. In classrooms, you sit in the back. You get spitballs thrown at you and stuff like that. People play. Okay, but... <laughs> Look at the cell phones, you know, uh, <laughs> checking on games and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I was just kidding. But we put the ropes up there to put people in, in the middle area so that it'll be a different dynamic. Can you imagine if we, you come in and we spray it everywhere? It's like that when they start the music at 1030. They, they're thinking, where's everybody? You know, and they'll come, they'll sit in the back, you know. Do they want to come? Do they want to hear this thing? Uh, but... We do that to do that. That's one reason. Another reason we do it, because the people who come late do not want to march up front. I'm serious. I'm serious. There are people who think this church starts at 11 o'clock, especially if they're a denominational church, and they haven't been in the first time. They haven't gone on the website. They didn't see the sign out the front. They're, they're, they're coming 11 o'clock. 
because this one church. Huh? And if they had to come up, up, in, up here to pass over most of the congregation, they just assume go back home. I'm serious. Now, so we said, well, let's leave the back rows for the people who are coming in a little late because we know that some of you have to get children ready. We know some of you, you know, got a lot of things you have to do before you get here. We know that. So let's let the people be okay. You, you know, the body, you get here early, you sit in the middle area and then leave the three back rows for the people who come in late and also for the people who may be uh, visiting. Okay? Do that. Now, I didn't tell y'all that, right? Some of you probably think, what are these ropes here for? It's right here in my spot. This is where I want to sit. I want to sit in the back, you know? Why did he do that? Well, I didn't tell you. Is it sin? Hey, it's not sin. Should I have to tell you everything? Why everything? Does God tell you why everything? No, he didn't tell you why everything. It would be nice if he, if he did tell us why, you know. <laughs> it would be nice if he told us why. Uh, but he, he, he didn't tell us why. He just expects us to obey, okay? And so that's what it, what it means to obey. Then it says submit to them. Now, you know what that submit means? That's, a, that's submit. That's, that's right. It means to, it's like hoopo means under, and it means to yield. Um, it means to yield under authority. It doesn't mean to just blindly submit to, to things. It means to, to just let yourself be persuaded. I mean, it's just, I mean, just, just give, up, give up fighting. Stop digging your heels in and just do it. That's all. Now, God tells us that. Now, that, that's in, in that verse right there. And those two words, if you, if you look them up in the Greek, that's what it looks like. Now, why does he do that? Why does he tell the elders, don't lord of them, lead them by example? Why does he tell us to do that? And then why does he tell the congregation to just obey? So there'll be unity. That's all. Unity. Unity. Because he knows without unity, without oneness, without togetherness, he's already told you there's confusion. In every evil work. Wherever there is not unity, the devil, Satan, they have the unclean spirits have a foothold. I'm telling you. I don't care whether it's a marriage. I don't care whether it's a sister and brother. I don't care whether it's parents, children. I don't care whether it's congregation uh, leadership. I don't care whether it's uh, employee, employer. I don't care what it is. If there is not unity... There is evil work going on. There is Satan. I'm telling you. God is not a God of confusion. God's a God of order. So that's what he tells us. Okay? Now, how are we going to do this thing? How are we going to do it? That's number two. That was number one I gave you. Now, number two, how are we going to do this thing is that because you knew this anyway. Everything I told you, you knew but how do you do it? How do I really walk in unity? How do I do, really do this togetherness thing? And when we talk next week about love, how do we do that? You do it by meditating on the word. By meditating on the word. Now, let me tell you, meditation is not just meditation, okay? 
not the Easter meditation. If, I, if we would go to Psalm 1, it'll say, like, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand up in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and this is his law, that if he meditate, 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 day and night. That's what he tell you. And if you do that, you'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that what? Bringing forth his fruit in, in, in the season, his leaves shall not wither, and whatever they do, it will prosper. That's what he said. That's what he said about meditation. He even told, after Moses died, he even told his, his servant, Joshua, he said, be strong, be courageous. How do I do that, Lord? How do I do that, Lord? In Joshua 1 8, what does he tell him to do? Let's turn to it. Let's turn to it. This book of the law, come on, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it when? Day and night. Then, ooh, then, can I, can, 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 can I do this before that? Then, what did he say? Then you'll be careful to what? So that you may be careful to do. That you may be careful to do. Everything that's in, and then you'll make your way prosperous or successful. Now suppose you try to be successful without meditation. It's not going to happen. If you, if you know that he told Joshua that, knowing that Joshua got to lead his people into the promised land, you know that he's telling him exactly what to do. And so he's telling us exactly what to do. He said meditate on the word. Meditation is, is like pondering. You do it all the time. You, you think about things. You ponder it. You, you just roll it over in your minds all the time. You know, you find yourself kind of, uh, 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 you know, doing that muttering that said, said that, that's the word that's used. But let me tell you something that, that's, that's a little bit different. Meditation, those are, that's, that's the definition, but that's not the end result. The end result of meditation is to get a picture of what you want. Get a picture of what you are meditating on. That's why you want to, want, to, want to memorize the word. That's why you want to confess the word. That's why you want to read the word, only because it gives you a picture of what God says. Now, uh, it can. Also, you need the Holy Spirit, because John 6, 63 says that, it tells you that it's the Spirit that gives life. The Spirit that gives life. The Holy Spirit gives life. You're not going to have life without the Holy Spirit. And see, we have been um, messed up because of our past from growing up. I have, you have. We've been, things have happened to us, and, and we get these attitudes, we get all these things that we call them strongholds. That's what we call them. And that's 2 Corinthians 10. And, and, and uh, we could go there, but I'm not going there. But, but what it says is that basically the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. Imaginations are, are your, your excuses, your reasoning. Why you do that? Well, I'm doing this because so and so and so. Because you, ha- you, got these, you got these fortresses, you got these, these walls up, these excuses up, that every time you're supposed to do something, you got this excuse 
a reason why you know, you're not going to do that. It takes the Holy Spirit to break down these walls, break down these strongholds, break down these imaginations. It takes the Holy Spirit to do that. Without the Holy Spirit, it's not going to happen. That's why we can know the word of God, but not be able to do it. The Pharisees knew the word of God. They knew the word of God, but they couldn't do it. You got to have the spirit of God to be able to do it. So you got to break down these strongholds. Got to do those things. Because some of us have strongholds that will prevent us from doing that. Some of us have strongholds. You get married, and you take that baggage into your marriage, and because you are mistreated, as your, your father mistreats you, your uncle mistreats you, whoever mistreated you, you don't, you don't, you don't, I'm not submitting to no man. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. They don't tell you that when, when you're dating and all that, so according. They don't tell you. <laughs> but once you say, I do. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, all uh, these men have strongholds, too, because they think, you know, I love you. They say, oh, shit, he loves me. Mama, he loves me. Man, he doesn't love you. Uh, he told me he loved me. He, don't, he doesn't even know what love is. Don't know what love is. I know I didn't. Most of you probably knew, but I didn't. No, I didn't know what love was. I love myself. I, love my, I mean, I love myself, you know, and what I wanted. You, you hear what I'm saying now? I'm telling you, we have strongholds, we have baggage we take in marriages. We have baggage. Baggages. So, I'm, I'm, all, I'm te- I'm, all I'm telling you, I'm just telling you. Just telling you. It's happened all the way through scriptures. You can, you can, you can check it out. You know, uh, like David's son. David's son committed incest against his sister. His father Never corrected him on anything. Didn't even correct him on that. So his other son, who was the whole brother, whole brother of the one who got molested, killed his brother. And usurped the thought of his father. I mean, David's household messed up. It was messed up. But it's because they didn't have order. They had... They had, they had they had stuff going on. And some of us in household, we grew up in a household where one of the children were treated with favor. Come on. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we the test Every time you say, she always got her way. Didn't let me do that, man. I couldn't do, I couldn't do anything, man. I had to be home by 7 o'clock, you know. They get to be a curfew at 12 o'clock. So they, they come in all sorts of stuff. I'm telling you, it's important for us to realize that strongholds have to be broken. Okay? That's important. In order for us to, to really meditate on the word. Now, what we want to do is, once we meditate on this word, what we want to do is get a picture of what God says. We want to get a picture in our minds of what God says. That's the purpose of meditation. Now, suppose we had a picture of when he says, I have redeemed you from the enemy, from the devil. I have translated you from the power of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son, which is Colossians 1, 13. Suppose you had a picture of that. Suppose you had a picture of the song they were singing, God is Awesome. Suppose you had a picture of that. Do you know if you had, if, if the Holy Spirit gave you a picture and you realized 
owe this picture and everything you thought of every time it got an opportunity for, for disunity in your marriage, every time you said, wait, wait a minute. Because we said sometimes, he'll never change. He'll never change. Oh, I always have to do something uh, because he won't do it, you know. Vice versa, whatever the situation be. But if you realize that God is awesome, God is, he, he's your provider, he's your healer, he's everything, why would you get in disunity with your mate if you know God is awesome? And he can undo, outdo, overdo anything the enemy try to do, right? Why would you get upset if you can't have your way at work if you know God can elevate you when he wants to? Why would you get upset in a church if things don't go like you think that they should be going when you know God is awesome, he can do anything he wants to with whom he wants to do when he wants to do. He can put one up, he can bring one down. He can do anything he wants to do. See, but we don't have faith. And that's what it said in, in, um, to the children of Israel, didn't it? He said these are examples, and this is in 1 Corinthians 10, these are examples that you don't fall in the same amount of unbelief. And it told you in Hebrews chapter 4, it tells you they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. There's a rest. There's a rest now. But they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. There is still another day, it says. There is still another Sabbath day, a rest, that you cease from your own labors. When are we going to do that? When are we going to do that with our mate? When are we going to... When are we going to stop trying to change them? When are we going to do that with our children and start getting on our knees and praying more? When are we going to do that with, you know, our, our job situation, with our boss, with our supervisor? When are we going to do that with our, uh, in our church? Just pray. Right? If you don't like John, pray. Pray. You don't like Sam, pray. Don't get mad at him. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to say me. You can forget it. <laughs> but God wants us to get a picture of victory because he gives us victory in every situation. He gives us victory. He has already won the victory. He says we are more than conquerors. Right? More than conquerors. So, when are we going to get a picture? That's what meditation will do. I want, to, I want to meditate so I get a picture of things so I'll cease trying to do things myself and trust God to do them. That's what I want to do. And so I, I, was, I, I, I was telling somebody, I said, ooh, my goodness gracious, this is so good. I learned something about meditation because I didn't teach this before. I just thought, I'm on meditation, just, it was, you know, rolling over things that we already think about anyway. But we do have pictures anyway, don't we? We have pictures of bad things. Right? Just let, just let your, uh, say your sister, your brother, your mother, your father, your uncle, your, uh, your whoever, say, hey, they've been diagnosed with cancer. What picture comes to your mind? Death. Automatically, right? How long they have? Don't it? Right? Yeah. Instead of the picture that God says, he's a healer. 
God is awesome. Isn't that what you saw? He's ill. We don't think that way. We don't think that way. He lost his job. Oh, my goodness. What is he going to do? What are they going to do now? Well, I mean, there's it's so many things, pictures we have in our mind because of the world system, because of our flesh, because of the enemy. He puts these pictures in there, and that's why uh, God doesn't want us looking at things men and we aren't supposed to be looking at because we get pictures of it, isn't it? Don't we? And these pictures stay there, and then you got these pictures flashing up, see? God wants us to have pictures. I mean, he made us so we have pictures because we have a great imagination, but he wants the pictures of victory, pictures of his word. That's what he wants. Okay? Woohoo! Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.